0: brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We are so glad you are joining us today. We're here to provide some insight on a wide variety of sports topics as always. NBA basketball, UEFA Champions League, NCAA hoops and football, NFL, shoot, who knows where else we're going to go today. So we're not only going to give you some perspective and real honest opinion but we are definitely going to have some fun while doing it we certainly hope you do as well and in case you don't already know i'm jb
1: and this is the one and only no want to show some quick love to nicolecowens.com she's an actress voice and speech coach breathing is meaning is the model from Fitzmorris work where she is certified and helping clients cultivate a more access to their voice using a Variety of exercises and preparing clients for endless opportunities. She offers private sessions as well as group workshops globally with performers, professionals, and anyone else interested in nurturing a healthy relationship with their voice. Once again, that's Nicole Cowans, N I C O L E C O W A N S dot com.
0: Speaking of voice,
1: out. absolutely. Go ahead and check that out. You know, speaking of our voices, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna use my voice jb is too as we start off with another one of our top five of all times nba power forwards let's go
0: let's go
1: we've done centers we've done point guards we've done shooting guards obviously we have power forwards left man we almost
0: we almost got a whole team we getting getting there
1: we getting we getting there really close so i'm gonna start off by saying this all of these players on my list and I feel like JP's gonna agree. Are extremely close mm. for my for my list. They all played in the era from the mid-90s on when I was a basketball fan. And I'm gonna just go ahead and say four through one are darn near interchangeable, in my mm. opinion. Obviously, I give a big shout out. Anybody that didn't make the list that was just outside, I'll give a couple names. But just remember when you're listening to those list four through one are incredibly close mm-hmm. yeah, jb who you got for number five let's go back no and forth.
0: all right so my number five is hall of famer carl malone uh now i've i you know when i do this <clears> research okay i look at quite a few um different perspectives of people of course uh ultimately i'm going off of what i recall what i've seen uh but i do take into account other folks perspectives and be honest, I've seen him, you know, listed significantly higher. But for reasons I'll get into here in a little bit later down the list, uh, he's my number five. Uh, career average 25, 10, and 3.6 assists as well. was a solid passer. Really, when you think about Carl Malone, you think about pick and roll with him and John Stockton. Um, pick and pop. And one thing that I will say about Carl, he's the only player in history to have 11 straight first-team All NBAs, um, he did have two MVPs, three teams all, three first-time team all-defense. He's second all-time in scoring in the NBA, oh. um, seventh in rebounds, and 11th in steals. So very well-rounded player. But to be honest, when comparing him to other guys on this list, there's a big, big uh, miss for him. And, and ultimately, that's the championship. So. Um, I do take that into account a lot when I when I'm when I'm working this. No disrespect at all, being number five on this list. Uh, when you hear who else is on it, so for me, number five is Carl. What about you?
1: Carl's number five on my list as well, JB. Uh, okay. Let me just add a couple little tidbits in there that you left out. Mm-hmm. Um, the mailman, which was his nickname, <laughs> he had an extremely smooth game and mm-hmm. some very sharp, very sharp elbows to go with that.
0: <laughs> yes, sir.
1: So with one of his MVP awards, obviously the second, he was the oldest player ever to win MVP. You know that? I didn't. He was 35 when he won his second MVP award.
0: Man, that's impressive.
1: Wow. Extremely. 14-time All-Star, 14-time All-NBA, four all-defensive teams. Carl Malone, number five on my list. All
0: right. You want to go ahead and jump to your number four. Maybe we can alternate that way.
1: That's fine. My number four power forward of all time is Dirk Nowitzki. Mm. Dirk, known for his one-footed shot, was the 2011 NBA Finals MVP. 26 points, almost 10 rebounds, and those who remember him for the 2011 NBA Finals, the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat, the ultimate Miami Heat squad, the super team. The Mavs put on a clinic against them, if y'all remember that series. Dirk was a career 20-point scorer, not very well known for his defense, but I always, quite honestly, valued him as an underrated defender hmm. in the end. He could stretch the floor, in my opinion, more efficiently than anyone on the list. So at seven feet, he was one of the biggest matchup problems in NBA history. When you think about Dirk and his ability to just rise up and shoot over any defender, that's why I couldn't leave him off the list. Hmm. But not didn't matter who was guarding him. He was going to rise above you and shoot it. And, you know, he was a very clutch player as well. Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. because of that 2011 NBA Finals, he had to make my list.
0: Yep. My uh, number four is also Dirk Nowitzki. Man, <laughs> see a trend here. Uh, uh-huh. You know, similar to Kareem Skyhook, that one-footed fadeaway, it's impossible it was impossible to stop like you literally you could be up on top like in his shorts and uh he's still getting that shot off
1: seven feet tall
0: really he revolutionized in a different way from steph curry he revolutionized the game for big men i mean nowadays you see many many every everybody's got a seven foot guy shooting threes nowadays Uh not when dirk started um, and just to add, again, a couple more tidbits, He w- he's actually sixth all-time in scoring, which I didn't realize. Um, so historically, uh, over time, just consistency, the longevity, 12 all-NBA teams. So, yeah, Dirk Nowitzki, the uh, big seven-foot German, unstoppable, right. uh, unguardable at times. Uh, so, yeah, got to give it up to him. All right, he so really was. my number three – in uh, continuing with the alternation, here would be one Kevin Garnett, the
1: big ticket. Okay, gotcha.
0: He, uh, career 18 and 10 player, but I, honestly, the stats really don't for me speak to the type of player that he was. Just a ferocious defender, mentality was just in your face, such a leader, um, ninth all time in rebounds. 18th in scoring blocks and steals just all around, um, was a general out there as a big man, which, you know, again, that's, he was a bit revolutionary in that aspect where he kind of led from the back in a lot of ways, but he could handle it too. Got the title with the Celtics, uh, did have an MVP nine time, all NBA, uh, did have a defensive player of the year as well. And nine time, all defense. So, um, You talk about a guy that really um, didn't have a whole lot of help for the first more than half of his career. Stuck it out, I feel like, longer than most guys maybe would have in Minnesota. Um, Did have some playoff runs. Had to go and join up with some guys to ultimately get the title, but uh, I'm not going to begrudge him the fact that he did get it done, and uh, I would certainly love to have him leading my team any day. How about you?
1: All righty. My number three power forward of all time in the NBA is Charles Barkley. Ooh. At six foot six, you could argue that Barkley had more heart than anybody on his list. Straight mm. up. And that's why he made my list, although not having any championships. Charles Barkley is essentially what the New Orleans Pelicans want Zion Williamson Zion Williams to be. But we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Career 22 points and 11 rebounds, four assists. The 1993 NBA MVP, Charles Barkley will be most remembered in my mind for his ability to run the floor like a 6'2 guard. But think about it. there's the Charles Barkley guarded and then him on the offensive end being able to fly down the court, transition, and finish above the rim, Charles Barkley was just like none other. Um, and he really played this style when he was in Philly, when he was in Phoenix, up until the last few years of his career in Houston. Uh... That's why Charles Barkley's number three. Barkley also did not back down from anybody. Y'all remember, I think the year was about 1998. He had that big scuffle with Shaq. There's your proof right there that Barkley was not backing down from any man. And quite honestly, if it wasn't for that John Paxson three in game six of the 1993 NBA finals, the seventh game was going to be in Phoenix. You know, history may have been rewritten with charles barkley getting that title which would have obviously stopped air from that third championship in the 3p which who knows what it would have done for his future obviously a lot of what ifs right there but charles barkley came oh so close to winning the championship in phoenix and um he's number three on my list okay so i'll move on to number two so as we were the,
0: the round mound of rebound
1: Round mound of rebound absolutely uh kg is number two on my list kevin garnett Mm. the big ticket is one of five players who have won an mvp and a defensive player of the year not in the same year but just won both of those two awards
0: yeah
1: nine time all defensive first team four-time rebounding champion which is one of my favorite stats about him 2004 mvp 2008 NBA champion, four-time All-NBA First Team. Obviously, those stats really don't tell the whole story. You alluded to most of them, just being the toughness that he had. My favorite thing about KG was actually his intensity and what I would consider his self-motivational tactics. He's the type of player you want to go in a battle with. Mm -hmm. KG's going to do whatever it takes to win. And at 6'11", he was really the first player at that height that I remember had guard skills. We're talking young 18-year-old KG on Minnesota, crossing boys over, going to the basket to dunk on you. And I'm looking at the TV like, how is this dude doing this and he's that tall? Yeah, skin and bones
0: too, really, right? Just... Skin
1: and bones, you literally like it, you know, when you think mid-90s, this type of player was not, you know, around very much on different teams in the NBA. So KG, he was a man among boys even though he was a young boy you know so the other aspect of it on the defensive end of the court that made him such an incredible player was his versatility being able to guard any position on the other end of the court early in his career AG will guard a guard AG will get in the post and, and defend down there playing behind or fronting AG will guard anybody mm-hmm. um there's there's never been anything skill wise at that height like KG in the NBA. And that's why KG is number two on my list.
0: I like it. Can't argue with it. And I already see where we're going to differ here. And I'm sure I'm going to hear it from you. And maybe from some others for my number two. And I just want to preface it by saying that. Uh, in making this list too. Um, I also take into account who I would want to have on my team. And build a team around. So I'm going out on a limb with my number two here. Okay. Just putting that out there. My number two. Power Forward, with Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's right. Giannis, he's only played eight, nine seasons. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Giannis and really his first six to seven full seasons as a starting NBA player. He's averaged 22, nine, and six assists, a dominant ball handler, already has two MVPs, three first-team all-defense of NBA, and a defensive player a year. Um, And he's also now got a title and a finals MVP. I mean, we watched him, at times, single-handedly, offensively carry his team. Um, And you see the effort that the guy puts out there uh, at each possession. I mean, he wears himself out to where he's like, can't hardly get up down the court because he's so exhausted uh, from the effort he puts in. And the guy's 6'11", ball handler, can do it all. So. Again, in part, um, you know, I, I'm kind of calling myself out a little bit when I'm going against my normal uh, thought process when I'm looking at, you know, the total history of the player. But yeah. s- for me, similar to like a Clay Thompson, who still has quite a few years left, um, I'm willing to bet by the time Giannis is done, he's potentially pushing for the number one spot. Um, no But doubt. for me. You know, I could not leave him off the list, and as I as I looked at it more and more, um, based on what he's already accomplished and what I see with my eyes, uh, I've already got him up to number two. So I Excellent. guess that leaves me to go to my number one. You can ridicule me if you want later. Okay. My number one power forward of all time would be the big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Okay. Maybe the most well-rounded, even-keeled. A fundamentally sound player that we've ever seen. Um, Could score, shoot, pass, defend. 19 and 11 for his career. 2.2 blocks. Over 50% field goal shooter. He's 5th in blocks all time. 6th in rebounds. 15th in scoring. 5 titles. 3 finals MVPs. 2 NBA MVPs. Ten all-NBA first teams and eight all-defensive first teams. And this is from somebody who really – I'm not a Spurs fan. In fact, I got so sick and tired of seeing the Spurs every year. You know they're going to be contending for the title even after David Robinson is no longer there, mostly because of Tim Duncan. Um, You could always count on him to come up big in big games – And to lead his team just quietly, but um, you knew he was going to get the job done. And if I'm starting a team, that's the guy I want on my team. Somebody you know you can count on, regardless of the the pressure, the moment. um, He can get it done. So, Tim Duncan's my number one power forward of all time.
1: Tim Duncan's number one on my list as well. And I really don't have much more to say (laughs) other than... Five-time NBA champion, three-time Finals MVP. Tim Duncan just had a will to win like mm. none other. And he did it in such an even kill manner that, you know, he gets overlooked a lot. He wasn't flashy player. He wasn't even the most incredibly skilled guy, although that mid-range jump shot off the glass was unstoppable. You mm. could say that was skill. But Tim Duncan just got it done on both ends of the court. And when you think about the teams that he won with, you know, Manu Ginobili was a second-round pick. Tony Parker was a foreigner, you know, not very well-known player. Tim Duncan and company, they just, they knew how to get it done, and and it really started with Tim Duncan. You know, he even got David Robinson a championship. I think that was his rookie year. It was. David was almost out the door without a championship, but uh, Tim Duncan and them got it done during that, I think that was the NBA shortened season, but... There's no disagreements with number one, but I will say this. Let me let me chime back in before we move on about the Giannis uh, aspect of things. Obviously, Giannis will probably end up being number one on the list, barring injury. You know, and for me, if Giannis's career ended today, I I wouldn't have him above any of these players. Mm. That's the only that's literally the only reason I didn't have Giannis on this list. I wouldn't have him above I wouldn't That's have fair. him above any of these guys. That's but fair. I can but 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 at the same time, I I don't have any issues with you having Giannis on your list because everybody knows what Giannis has accomplished so far is incredible and what he potentially will accomplish um as he goodness gracious, he what is he in his mid twenties, late twenties? Yeah, late
0: late twenties. You know, it's it, I kind of look at him like in a way I look at um, you know, even a Kurt Warner. Who had a shortened career, but the, what the impact that he did in that short time? And I know we're not doing top quarterbacks of all time. We'll get there at some point. But um, of course, you know, similar, similar like that, where it was just hard looking at the accolades already. But I, I can't argue with you not having him on your list yet either. So I'm not going to um, throw a fit about that either. So that was fun, man. We only got one more left, and then I think we'll round it up after we do the small forwards. We'll uh, list our, you know, starting five for our team, one through five teams. Maybe we'll shoot them out there in a post or something. It'd be pretty cool.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Let's move on, JB. Yes, sir. What we got? We got sports movie characters personified. Okay. So basically, here's how it's going to go. Okay. We'll pick a couple of sports movie characters, maybe two, three, four, and we're going to personify these characters and how we try to mimic and imitate them in our sports career, in our lives right so yeah. i'll go ahead and go first i'll keep it short and sweet so sports movie characters that i intended to personify starts off with obviously the underdog story rocky balboa
0: hmm.
1: greatness as an underdog is it's just something it's the american way right every underdog story is an incredible story in our country we all want to be that so you know we all feel that we want to be like Rocky a little bit but then you move over to the movie The Little Giants and although it was a female the toughness of the ice box Mm. Mickey O'Shea this is one of my favorite movies as a kid Mm. Little Giants I was like this young lady she gets it done she was single-handedly holding it down in that game against the Cowboys when the brothers were Pitted against each other, the brothers with coaching staff. Yeah. She had the will to be great, even though she was a young lady, which obviously made her a underdog. You know, she was kind of battling between what she wanted to do. You know, whether she wanted to be a cheerleader or athlete. Obviously, as a guy, I don't have that issue, right? <laughs> but, but her her toughness was yeah. ab- absolutely there. You know. Then, I wanted to add some style in there a little bit, so I'll throw a little bit of Willie Mays Hayes in there. He just oh, okay. was a very, he was a very eclectic athlete. I feel like I brought him up in the past. So, Hayes becomes the first Indian in
0: 15 years to lead off the season with a hit. It really ain't
1: crap out of that one. Well, I plan to get at least a double out of this. I bought a hundred of these. One for every base I'm going to steal. And then, with basketball being my favorite sport, you know, and the, the competitive nature and greatness of Quincy McCall of Love and Basketball. Hmm. Those are some sports movie characters that I try to personify growing up. What you got?
0: I love it, man. Yeah, you and you touched on, shoot, you touched on all the sports there. Um, <laughs> I got a few that, you know, a more, well, starting off, more lighthearted aspect. And I, could, I actually a couple, believe it or not, for golf, for whatever reason – Golf movies. There's a lot of good golf movies, right? And the first one for me is Happy Gilmore. I mean, yeah, who didn't love Happy Gilmore, right? Adam Sandler, the underdog hockey player turned golfer. Anybody that has ever played golf that has any semblance of a sense of humor has tried to do the Happy Gilmore swing. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you're 10 or 70. Um, It's just something you do. But you know, the movie just so relatable. Uh, Because there's a lot of people that don't take golf very seriously, you know, that just get out there and have fun. But um, just the antics and some of the quotes in that movie, you know, you're going to die, clown. (laughs) You're
1: going to die, clown. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely going to get some sound bites up from that one. Oh,
0: yeah, that's a good one. Uh, And and similarly, another golf movie, which I'm not the most avid golfer. I did play a decent amount in my younger years, um, but 10 Cup. Uh, if you've seen the 10 cup uh-huh. movie is Kevin Costner uh, uh-huh. playing an entire round with just a 7-iron and a putter, I've done that, or I've at least played a hole with just a 7-iron. I might say I've played a whole round, you know, just uh, out of stubbornness and spite and just uh, his attitude. Um, and then, of course, again, my love of basketball, uh, the movie Hoosiers for me when I first saw it as a kid, um, trying to be Jimmy Chitwood, you know, coming off the – running the picket fence on the last play of the game in the championship, coming off the screen to hit the big jumper. Yes, sir. Um, you know, so for me, that was always what it was about. And, uh, you know, football, um, even though I didn't play, uh, I relate to Remember the Titans. Um, such a great movie. A uh, lot to get into in that movie, but the coming together of folks and, uh, you know, the left side, strong side, um you know when you're on defense and playing backyard football and just kind of getting sir. each other fired up, and then lastly, for baseball, I think about the natural. Um, when I you know hitting the home run so high, you you knock the lights out in the ballpark yes. stadium, like you know going crazy and just to win the every every kid dreams about hitting a walk off home run to win the game. So, sir. Yes, for sir. me those are those are some of the ones that I really related to growing up.
1: That's good stuff, JB. Excellent.
0: So what do you uh what do you got this week for your personal segment?
1: What why don't we let you go first? Let's okay. end out with mine, you okay. know.
0: Well, I'm gonna give you guys an update of something that's near and dear to my heart and my personal segment. We're gonna give a uh, English Premier League slash UEFA Champions League update. Uh, All right, let's everybody hear it. everybody knows Chelsea football club is one of my top teams that I follow. Uh, they play in the Premier League in England. Currently, uh, they sit third in the table. Um, and it's a little different with soccer. You know, they don't play a season and then have playoffs at the end of the season like we do in um, every sport here in America. Huh. They just play 38 games. You play every team twice, and whoever accumulates the most points at the end of the season wins. Now, they play different cup tournaments throughout the season that go on simultaneously and there's a lot of um, there's a lot that goes into those and those are prestigious and of course you want to win those as well and they're fun but the the winning the league is really the biggest deal so they're currently third uh, just a point behind Liverpool who is a point behind defending champs Man City Uh, so Man City you know Pep Guardiola probably the best coach in the world um, you got Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne and company. Those guys are just, they're, yeah. If you want to see how the game should be played, that's a team you want to watch. Liverpool, Mohamed Salah, he might be the best player in the world right now. No, you know, no shade against Messi or Ronaldo, but just as far uh-huh. as how he's executing right now, that whole team as well. They always come to play. Um and the but job done. Yeah. Of course I think Chelsea by the end of the, all said and done, I think um, coming off of the Champions League win last year, they started off hot. They've hit a little bit of a lull, had some injuries. Um, but I think Pula Six gonna get back going. Uh getting Lukaku back off of injury. So they're sitting third. Really after that, kind of a kind of a drop off. You got Man United, you got a couple other teams that could push for that top top spot, but uh, we're getting down to middle of the season and you start to separ- see the separation there. Uh, Champions League, um, we will have the round of 16. For those of you who don't know the way it works, it's similar to World Cup. You have groups of teams, eight groups of teams, four teams. They all play each other. In um, the Champions League, you, they play each other twice. And the top two teams from each group move on to the final 16. So we have teams from Germany like Bayern Munich, you have the top teams from Italy like Juventus, who Weston McKinney plays for, Inter Milan. England's got four teams in the top 16 right now: Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United. Spain, you've got Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, PSG from France, maybe uh, the front runner when you have Messi, Neymar, and uh, why can't I think of the kid's name from Mbappe? Uh, unbelievable front three talent-wise. And then you got a few surprises in there: Lille, Ajax, Salzburg, um, from a smaller country, and a couple others. So, just a no- notably, Barcelona not in the final 16 for the first time since 2004. Um, so, obviously, uh. not having Messi anymore it makes a difference. So, we are actually recording the day before the uh, draw comes out for the final 16. So we'll know that, and uh, I'll provide an update probably somewhere down the line, but i'm excited to see how it shakes out there's gonna be some excellent matches coming up and uh just looking up looking forward to some great great football uh over the next couple months that's where we're at
1: that's good stuff and we will give you some updates on that let me give you my personal segment today jb okay gonna call this segment i got you miles okay referring to Miles Turner, the young but also veteran center of the Indiana Pacers, my hometown squad. There's been a lot of recent trade talks centered around the core of the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, a lot of it is rumor related, but a story did come out and highlighted some Miles Turner comments about not being valued as anything more than a glorified role player. Wow. So, here we go. Miles takes a lot of slack for not being the most physical big man and for his somewhat pedestrian rebounding numbers. But I'm here to tell Miles, I got you. See, a lot of fans jump onto what's cliche or what player might affect their emotions the most. In Miles' case, fans see his sometimes inconsistent stats and consider that a product of his inconsistency. I'm here to tell you that it's a product of the scheme and personnel that surrounds him. Take for instance the fact that Miles Turner is third among centers in made three-pointers and he does it at a 40% clip. Wow. Then you also take into account he only averages around nine shots per game. Comparably speaking, Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic take about 17 per, almost double the amount of shots that Miles take. But, When you compare those two high-scoring players to Miles on the other end of the court, there's no comparison. Miles has been at the top of the NBA in block shots, as well as altered shots the last couple of seasons. He is the ultimate rim protector. So it makes you wonder, why is Miles not more of a focal point in the Pacers offense? Well, it's because other guys on the Pacers and under 500 squad are the go-to guys. Which is why I can't even blame Miles for these sentiments. Let me end this with one telling stat. You ready for this? I'm ready. Miles has taken over 15 shots once in a game this season. That's not even, you know, 15 shots once. He scored 40 points and had 10 rebounds in that game. Wow. I got you, Miles. I got you. Man,
0: yeah, give him some love. Come on, people, that's uh, that's stating the case right there. That's what you call stating the case. Hey, not to – I meant to say this earlier. Can you believe uh, – this struck me, man. Uh, can you believe the movie Rocky? I think it's 40 years old this year
1: or something. Stop playing. It.
0: Yeah. It's like – or no, it's more than – it's – I think it's like 45 years old. We're going to have to fact check that. It's that, that old of a movie. Isn't that crazy? It's,
1: it's mind-boggling. Yep.
0: All right. So what? what else we got for the people today?
1: Well, so – I'm going to split it off for this next segment. I'm going to give my early college basketball update as the season is, you know, we're about a month in. And J.B.'s going to give his late college football season update as we move into bowl season and the college football playoffs. I'll go ahead and start off this with this segment. Um, And it's not a coincidence that we chose these segments because Mm -hmm. both of our teams have a lot going on. And when I speak about college basketball, I'm talking about the Purdue Ole men's basketball team, who is number one in the country right now. Yes, uh, P- Purdue men's basketball attained the number one ranking for the first time in history earlier this week. What I makes didn't it
0: know that? Are you serious? First time ever.
1: First wow. time ever. I bet. Th- I bet there's something else you didn't know. Okay. Do you know who has the most Big Ten basketball championships?
0: I mean, is it Purdue?
1: Yes. I one not- would think it. One would think it might be Indiana or Ohio State or Michigan State. It's Purdue. Wow. So back to the number one ranking. A few number two rankings in the 80s, you know, with those late 80s Purdue teams coached by Gene Cady. The early 90s saw Big Dog's 94 squad in the top 10 throughout the season. The 96 team was a number one seed in NCAA attorney. And the 1998 team with Brad Miller and Brian Cardinal, they were at the top. That was one of my favorite Purdue teams, by the way, my childhood. Also, the team with Robbie Hummel in 2010 was poised to be number one as well. But we all know what happened with the injury uh, in late February. Robbie Hummel in Purdue, I think their record was 20, 22 and 3, 22 and 2 at the time. But finally achieved the number one ranking. And, um, you know, obviously, I'll say this, JB. My expectations are tempered, knowing that the Boilermakers haven't made a Final Four in my lifetime. Although I've seen them in about three Elite Eight games, the most recent being 2019 with Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, but the talent and depth are at a level this year that I've never seen before. Hopefully, they have the most important thing which is the longevity and they continue improving and don't get stagnant, you know, and they, obviously, they gotta have that mindset you know of, of of not getting caught up in the polls and the rankings and what other people are telling how other people may be insinuating how great they are and you got to keep working because everybody is going to be out gunning for you especially when they view you as being better than them yeah. uh a little bit more about college basketball update outside of purdue illinois and ohio state in my opinion staying in the big ten are very under the radar line i have some good guards how state creates a lot of matchup problems with their front court and uh, they actually have a big win against duke and indiana in my opinion is sneaky good i believe they're going to have a very good season the hoosiers basketball team with trace jackson davis and mike woodson as their coach they also have another big man race thompson um but bringing in mike woodson you know i think that is what the indiana hoosiers basketball team needed they've Scuffled with a lot of different coaches the last few years uh, who couldn't get it done, and um, I I think it's going to change now. Got an Indianapolis guy, so they'll be able to recruit the area a little bit better. Probably steal some Boilermaker recruits away from them, but Mm you know, could very easily be undefeated right now, but they lost close ones against Syracuse and Wisconsin. Keep an eye on on the Indiana Hoosiers. Also, Marquette Golden Eagles, Shaka Smart, one of my favorite coaches yes um he's now back in i think that's his hometown milwaukee wisconsin he's back up there and uh coaching marquette keep an eye on them during the big e season and mid-major wise i always want to give the love to the smaller schools keep an eye on iona come tourney time you know why i would keep an eye on iona
0: no tell
1: me <laughs> because rick patino is their coach Oh
0: gosh that's right
1: Rick Pitino, they were an attorney last year without any fans there. But you know, if they get a seed in that twelve to fourteen range, they're that team you don't want to see in your bracket.
0: Yeah, if, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one alone. The Rick
1: Petino <laughs> part, but yeah, you're right. Oh lordy, oh lordy, <laughs> oh shoot. Jay, JB, yeah. what you got for college well, football? I
0: got I got two questions for you on the basketball: a serious one and kind of serious one. So, let's go. How do you view uh, if you're the Boilermakers, you're co- you're a coach? Yes. There's two ways of looking at um, being undefeated. Are you of the mindset that you don't want to lose? You want to go undefeated? Or do you think it's best to maybe lose a game to quote unquote, get it out of the way, learn a lesson, humble yourself. Uh, You know, what's kind of your, what would your mentality or mindset be regarding that?
1: That's a great question, JB. My response to that is simple. If the kids are, continuously motivated, even not losing a game. And you'll know if your players stay motivated versus getting stagnant. I don't feel like you have to lose a game. Mm. Like, I, I feel like you have to stay motivated though. I think that's really the important thing at the end of the day, whether it's you as a coach creating bulletin board material in practice, mm. you can even, you know, trying to challenge them individually. These are the things that will allow them to continuously improve versus, you know, kind of plateauing as a squad.
0: Okay. I got you. Uh that's good all right my, my other question was you mentioned the illini didn't they get smacked by a team by like 20 points uh, a few weeks back i can't remember what team that was, was i think uh,
1: that you know that was the cincinnati bearcats oh, basketball oh that's team. right
0: you see bearcats who have since that game kind of played like trash but hey speaking of the bearcats we're going to talk a little college football what's and up jb let me know praise the lord they are getting an opportunity Uh, to play in the college playoffs.
1: Playoffs?
0: Um,
1: Yeah. I'm I'm going to have to keep my opinion quiet for this one.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Um, Now, you know, y'all know how I feel, of course. I am a homer. I do feel like even though they're 14-point underdogs, uh, to the Alabama Crimson Tide that I think it's going to be, if nothing else, it's going to be closer than people think. you got Kobe Bryant, the Jim Thorpe Award winner. Uh, Another on opposite of him, you have another first round talent corner. Uh, These guys can play. You got an underrated quarterback. You got a first round talent receiver. You've got a defense that can play. I know, you know, they've only really played Notre Dame, but when they played Notre Dame at Notre Dame, they pretty much dominate them. Now, the other side of it, you got Michigan and Georgia. Tell me how, I mean, I know the answer, but from my eyeballs how would georgia open up as a nine-point favorite over michigan that is ultimate disrespect not only to michigan but to the big 10 as well michigan all but dominated ohio state i mean ohio state certainly scored maybe has the best offense in the country and they still were sacking they were getting the backfield like this michigan team can play so um now I'm just throwing it out there. I would love nothing more than to see a Bearcat Wolverine championship. Not that it's gonna happen, but just saying. A um, couple other, couple other notes. Let me, we, let, uh, me let me chime in. Oh, let me
1: chime in real okay, quick, okay. real quick. Jb, Michigan's the real deal. And for all y'all, for all y'all Michigan State Spartan football fans out there, Michigan got hosed against Michigan State. They dominated the Spartans, <laughs> but literally every big call went the Spartans' way.
0: It did, and we saw we saw what Sparty was when they played ohio state but anyway oh and, um,
1: and my and my boilermakers for that matter right right um
0: and shout out to them they had some big wins this year but uh other big news heisman trophy of course for those of you that uh pay attention to that sort of thing brian young from alabama winning it stat line pretty <laughs> threw for forty-three hundred yards 43 touchdowns and four picks man Goodness that's like gracious. video game numbers um, definitely showed on that final drive against Auburn what he can do. Uh, and just shout out to the other finalists Hutchinson, the defensive end for Michigan, 23 quarterback hurries and 13 and a half sacks this year. Saw how he played oh. in the big games. Really comes to play. He's the leader of that team. Stroud from Ohio State, um, first year as a Buckeye quarterback, thrown for 4,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, and five picks may have the most talented receiver core in the country to throw to, but still got to throw the ball. And then Pickett from Pittsburgh uh, led them to the ACC championship through 42 touchdown passes himself. So there's some talented players out there. Shout out to all of them. Uh, excited for the playoffs. Um, those games are on New Year's Eve, so get excited for those. And just a few more notable bowl games. On December 30th, you've got Michigan State Pitt in the Peach Bowl. And then three big games on New Year's Day, Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State. The Rose Bowl, Ohio State, and Utah. Good luck, Utes. And in the Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Old Miss. And then, of course, again, the National Championship game on January 10th, where the Bearcats will play the Wolverines. I mean, I mean hopefully the Bearcats will play the Wolverines. Anyway. <laughs> that's it for your college college football yeah. update. Uh, you know, what? I like watching
1: those. I like watching those lesser bowl games. Just, oh yeah. just to open for high scoring games, the yeah. random teams that I know nothing about that I have not watched a lick of the entire season. I love those.
0: Yeah, that's some fun stuff. It's kind of like when you see the teams for the first time. In a lot of instances, in March Madness, and you're uh, doing a little research, like who are these guys? And yeah, you can always have some fun surprises this time. That's of year. right. That's right. So we got another new interesting segment this week. Um, We're going to talk about some stadiums and arenas that we have personally visited or been in and uh, really our top three. You know, I'll be honest, I, I haven't been to nearly as many as I would like to. You know, I've certainly got some bucket lists, stadiums and arenas that I want to ultimately get to. But I've been to quite a few. How about you?
1: Into a few, played in a bunch, ah, see, playing yeah. arena, playing arena football.
0: Okay, so you wanna you wanna shout out some here?
1: Absolutely. Uh, okay. Mine I'm gonna make this pretty brief. Okay. Uh, first one I'm gonna talk about is the old RCA Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Played a high school game here. Uh, also did a few flag ceremonies as a Boy Scout and watched a few Indianapolis Colts games. Yes, wow, I was on- Wow, N-O, the Boy Scout. I was in Boy Scouts growing up and we were on the field right before Colts games, uh, late 90s, uh, <laughs> sat in the bleacher seats up at the top. But one thing about the RCAdom is that there was not a terrible seat in the house. Um, a real small stadium. I don't even think it had 60,000 seats when you compare it to the uh, capacity of stadiums nowadays and it got extremely loud in there. Matter of fact, People used to think the coach piped in noise in the RCA Dome days. Nah, it was just a little enclosed stadium, so there was nowhere for the noise to go. (laughs) So the RCA Dome, um, number two for me is Market Square Arena. You familiar with Market Square Arena?
0: Yeah, that's the old Pacers uh, home, right?
1: Old Pacers gym, you know, old Pacers Arena in downtown Indianapolis, you know, before... Field, the field house came around there was Marcus square arena and the one thing I remember about Marcus Square arena you know it was a, one of those simple non-complex seated stadiums you had a lower deck you had an upper deck really tight and closed the one thing I remember about it was the scent really? it always it always smelled like pizza. And like I can, I can remember the scent. And I, every time I went there, and it was not very many times. I actually think I went to a hockey game there once, the Indianapolis Ice. Yes. Wow. that was a IHL hockey team. That's back a in the
0: good day. name. That's a good name. Indiana-
1: That's right. But I, I had to have a piece of pizza. I always wanted a piece of pizza in Marcus Arena and I will never forget that smell. Hmm. Um, another super loud stadium. Incredible games went on in there um, in my childhood, and I. And blessed to say that i was in Marcus square arena now the final one it's gonna be two because i gotta give this final one to two it's my two favorite places to play in it during my arena football Man, days you and these guys <laughs> yeah i had a definitely a tie well i had to give love to my home team in arena football that's fairbanks alaska the carlson okay. center it's, it looks like a green box if you're driving around in fairbanks you see this green giant box that's the <laughs> carlson center we had incredible football fans if a Ala- if it wasn't so cold in fairbanks i i would say they need to get alaska and nfl team but mm. probably would be in anchorage anyway and not fairbanks but our fans were incredible they knew, you know, they were very knowledgeable of the game, they understood, you know, getting loud on second and third down when the defense was on the field. Um, very much um, into it with the players, you know, and the arena football game in general, it's very, you know, connecting with players and fans. And we did that with our fans and it was incredible. It was incredible experience in a Carlson Center. So. Who ties with the Carlson Center? It's the Toyota Center of Kennewick, Washington. And the reason the Toyota Center of Kennewick, Washington is a tie with the Carlson Center is because their fans were just as rowdy, if not rowdier than ours. When you think of these small towns having these arena teams, we're their their pro team. And they're looking at us like the Green Bay Packers or the Indianapolis Colts or the Chicago Bears. They're looking at us at that level and just... The noise and the passion you see in the fans in the in both of these arenas, you know, obviously we were on the road when we were at the Toyota Center, you know, and getting badgered a lot. may I may, may got cussed out a couple times, but it was just a part of the game. It was just a part <laughs> of the game. You didn't you didn't really take it personally if they didn't say anything too personal, and um, you know, it it, it actually made me more focused during the game. And I actually, we uh had a huge win down there. I got an interception return for a touchdown down in that gym, and uh. We ended up winning the championship back in 2011. So, wow. Toyota Center and Carlson Center. What you got, nice. JB?
0: See, I can't, I'm not on that level. Mine is 100% spectator-driven on my list. I, I will say uh, at the top. I, I guess I, I can. That's a bit of a a bit of a fib, but throwing a bit of an audible here. Um, after listening to yours, I do have an extra one. I I want to shout out. I do want to shout out Wrigley Field first. Okay. Um, yep. Historically. Um, of course, I'm a Reds fan, so don't don't get it twisted. I'm by no means a Chicago Cub fan, but the history there uh, did have a chance to see the Reds play there. It was awesome. Remember Michael Tucker, we got there. And if, for those of you who don't know, uh, the bleacher seats at Wrigley, you pay and you get in the bleachers. If you get there first, you get front row seat. Um, oh. They're not assigned seats out in the outfield. So we got there early, talked to Michael Tucker a little bit before the game, if you remember him. Um, but, yeah, awesome experience. Stadium built in 1914. It wasn't named Wrigley until 1927. You know, the Bears played there up until 1970, and it was the last park in the majors to get lights, so they didn't have a night games there until after 1988. Pretty crazy. Wow. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Uh, another one for me is Nippert Stadium. Now, this is the Bearcats' home football stadium, but for me, more than that, FC Cincinnati, when they when they started their uh oh. soccer team, this was their home field up until their new stadium was built. Man, that was an amazing atmosphere. Um capacity is only about forty thousand, which for a football stadium for college, that's pretty pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um didn't get that that packed for the um soccer games just because of the way they had it situated, but awesome atmosphere right in the heart of the campus of uc um like literally you you pull off and you you walk in through college buildings and then boom there's the stadium uh was built in 1915 has been renovated eight times most recently in 2017 and actually found a quote of someone who uh, back in the day described it as a quaint bowl of angry noise sitting under the guise of remarkable architecture so i thought that fit pretty well there you go uh in my last i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the tie now okay so only to be fair um i'm gonna talk about the horseshoe at ohio state uh as previously mentioned on another episode i was at an ohio state michigan game in the fourth row back in 2001 gosh i'm old when uh the year that Trestle won the first title with Ohio State and uh got to get on the field after the game uh just if you haven't been to one of these big college football stadiums for a Saturday afternoon game especially a rivalry game you gotta do it um there's nothing like over a hundred thousand people and voices just like screaming and it's just crazy so uh the max capacity there is 110,045 people. That's a lot of folks. Um, got renovated in 2000, and uh, they didn't play night games there till like the mid 80s either. Uh, but my tie has got to go to uh, back to my Bearcats, the Shoemaker Center. Recently remodeled, the upgrade that they did, they put a lot into it. is amazing. Um, if I'm being honest, when I went game to games there and the kit as a kid wasn't the nicest gym. Uh, Sight lines were not great if you were up high. The fans there, you had a lot of old, crusty folks, as I'd like to say, who would kind of sit on their hands. And I remember as a kid getting folks getting mad at me for, like, standing up, you know, at certain parts of the game. Like, come on, man. You're at the game, right? And so earlier I said (laughs) I've never actually participated or played in any of these facilities. But I do have to say... Um, back in the, I guess it would have been like 98, 99, maybe 2000, maybe even 2000. Huggins was still there. We used to sneak into the student section. We'd hang out with the players after the game. And this one particular game, they let us on the court and uh, we asked Bob, like, Hey, can we shoot around? He's like, yeah, go ahead. So we're, you know, some high school kids, juniors, seniors, maybe just graduated, got to shoot around. And just so happened that there were three potential UC recruits uh, that were at the game, and we played a little three-on-three with them, one of them being Juby Johnson, who ended up going to um, Miami University and playing there, starting – had a good career. Uh, but I'll never forget that. That was pretty cool.
1: That's what's up. That is excellent stuff, JB, for the stadiums. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all know what time of the show it is, but today it's going to be no nose Reverse.
0: No, no. Oh, snap. Uh oh, I'm nervous.
1: Well, you should be, JB. <laughs> so here's how it's going to go. First, I'm going to have a personal question for JB. Okay. Second, we're going to do a famous team where players from the roster are named. My record, I believe, is 17 and we're going to yes. give JB an opportunity to break that record. Okay. And then finally, what's going to be name the athlete where I'll give background info on a player and allow JB a chance to guess who that athlete is.
0: Man, let me just say, you explain that so much better than I explain it. Well done.
1: Appreciate that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, you ready I, guess,
0: for I, I guess I'm ready. I guess I'm ready.
1: You ready for the personal the personal question?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: It's a two-part question. Okay. Okay. First part is... Have you ever worn your hair in cornrows?
0: No, no, I can't say that I have.
1: Okay, the second part of it is, what is the craziest hairstyle you have ever worn?
0: Uh, I probably have to immediately go to completely shaved bald. Oh. Um, this was a, this was one of those silly kind of friend group things that we did before a trip. Um, back in the day, we used to. I used to be a huge. Uh, roller coaster kind of fanatic um in high school and like early college and me and uh three four buddies we were if you guys are listening i know you'll be laughing we we um we decided we were going to take a trip and hey why don't we all do something like weird whatever so we shaved our heads um literally took a mock three razor to my head um honestly if you see the photo don't don't yeah i don't look too bad with a shaved head it's pretty, <laughs> pretty round can't say I'd ever want to do it again, but yeah, definitely. And it's such a weird sensation when you take a shower as well. I'll just say. There you yeah, go. <laughs> definitely the, the strangest haircut I would say is n- no hair whatsoever.
1: Nothing wrong with a little spur of the moment behavior, as long as it doesn't go too far. Right. Okay. Alrighty. So, ready for the the, the famous yeah. team?
0: All right. Let's see what I can do here. I'm back. Sometimes I just I space names sometimes. So, pray for me. Well. Let's go.
1: I promise you're going to get a few of these at least. Okay. Okay. We're going to go back to the last Cincinnati Reds team that made the playoffs. Not counting the 2013 squad that played in a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm talking about the 2012 Cincinnati Reds, okay. Who lost with Dusty Baker? Who lost that five-game mm-hmm. series to San Fran?
0: Yep. Okay.
1: And the and the timer starts right about now.
0: Man, I get mixed. Okay, Joey Votto. I get players mixed up. Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, Scott Rowland. Okay. Oh gosh, who was? Who are the outfielders on those teams? My goodness. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna start blanking kids. It was Danny Grit. No, that was way after Danny Graves. Oh. Um,
1: through a, per- a perfect, through a perfect, through a perfect game. Pete-,
0: Pete Harnish. No. Aaron Harang. Oh, uh,
1: through a perfect can't game. Can't think
0: of his name. I can picture the guy. He Homer races. Bailey.
1: There you go. All right, now uh, you go. Let's go. Let's go. You got Lato- about 20 Matt- seconds.
0: Matt Latos.
1: There you go. There you go. Uh,
0: Johnny Cueto.
1: Yes. Um. Let's see. Slow, slow curve ball. Fifteen seconds. Slow curve ball.
0: Hmm. Well, Jason, Jason Larue was not. What am I? That's like nineties. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna feel closer, so
1: dumb. Close closer through a hundred five.
0: this Chapman.
1: There you go. Five. Um. Four. Like seven. That's three. Terrible. Two. One yeah. and time. See, okay. I'm not good with the pressure.
0: Failed under pressure. Nah, you th-
1: didn't. You didn't do too terribly. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give, give you a few me. of the. Give you a few of the big names that you forgot. Let's start off with pitchers. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get you to get Bronson Arroyo. Oh duh, yeah. And okay. then the other. Then the other starter was oh, young. Geez. Remember how about remember J J young Mike? Jay Bruce, Bruce, Adam
0: Dunn. Oh my Sorry? gosh!
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think Adam Dunn was on there, but Drew oh, he Stubbs. Was? Remember Stubbs? Stubbs. Yeah. Drew Stubbs was fast. Ryan Ludwig was the left fielder. I think Ryan Ludwig wow. had like 28 home runs that year. Did you did you get Scott Rowland? Can't he remember. Did.
0: Yeah, i said Scott.
1: Remember, our catchers were Devin Mezzaraco and Ryan Hannigan.
0: Wow. Okay. Yep. Remember Chris, both of them guys.
1: Chris Heisey was a backup outfielder. Heise, but you know, the the fourth outfielder. And then for me, the the best part of that team was the setup man, you know, and then Broxton. Well, yeah, actually, Broxton, it was. Jonathan Broxton. It was Sean Marshall in the seventh. Jonathan Broxton, yep, and yep, then a Chapman. Yep, that's what solid. made that team so good.
0: That was so disappointing the way they. A seven, eight, nine. Sputtered out there in the playoffs, but.
1: Yeah. Man. Yo, it, well, it was more disappointing how they how they just let uh Dusty Baker go. Like he, didn't, you know. Yeah. That's you. know, true. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> we want to we want to end the show on a yeah. happy note.
0: Let's be positive. Let's try anyway. See if I can redeem myself.
1: All righty. Here we go with the name, The Athlete, where I'll give background information on a player and allow JB to guess who the athlete is.
0: Let's hope I can do this. You ready, JB? Yep. As I'll ever be.
1: This is an NBA player. Okay. He was born with hip issues that caused him to wear braces like Forrest Gump.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: He is from Riverside, California. Okay. He played on the 1996 Olympic Dream Team and scored over 25,000 points in his NBA career.
0: Okay, that narrows it down.
1: Uh, He's from the 1987 NBA draft. He had... 11 NBA seasons above or right at 40% three point shooting.
0: Is it Mitch Richmond?
1: Nope, but I okay. bet you're going to get it on the next one. Okay. His sister dropped 100 points in a high school game.
0: Is it Reggie Miller?
1: Reggie. <laughs> wow. Reggie. Cheryl, first one the
0: dunk as well, right? That I can yes. remember. Female. Yeah,
1: he was. People Reggie Miller.
0: I can see that now with the hips thing. Kind of, yes. he did always kind of have an interesting gait. Um, okay, he did well. Thanks for he taking did. it
1: easy on me there. No problem, <laughs> no prob. Oh, uh, shoot! All righty, JB. It was a good one tonight.
0: It was that was fun. That was fun. I don't know, I don't know how soon we do a, a reverse, uh, no nose again, but shoot, it was cool. <laughs> we, uh, definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely excited for uh, you guys to give some feedback. Uh, we still got the email at. N O dot J B dot sports pedigree at com. That's I know That's it's wrong, right. but I mean, come on, it's it ain't that bad. And, uh, you know, shoot us questions for the no, no segment. Um, right. And give us the, you know, give us your thoughts and feedback. We really appreciate it. We are, um, I don't know. Anytime I get shout outs and have you guys reach out, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very humbling so i really we we greatly appreciate you guys
1: we do absolutely incredible we love it
0: all right well i guess that's all we got for this week um we be blessed and uh, we'll see you again next week thank you guys
1: y'all have a good one bye bye check it keep pushing forward when the lights gotcha. dim the flame still burns with the night in. Yeah. so it's time to get animated promptly my passions connotated as anger wrongly since i'm as real as it gets i won't take that might spew a couple of words i won't take back i'll be the thug who seems to bring charm check yeah. my skin in the u.s i'm seen is that dubois right? productions <laughs> does not own the right no any, to any movie clips used in this podcast city silly kids only listen to that